20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast, along with the Acme Packing Company. I'm joined once again by Justice Mosqueda. You can find him on X at J U M O S Q. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL. Justice, it has been far too long. I know it's only been like a few weeks. I don't even know how long it's been, but it's felt far too long. So it's great to reconnect with you. Uh, first of all, how the heck have you been? I've been all right. I told you off air, my water heater blew up. So that's less than great. But outside of that, been doing uh, peachy. That's amazing. Uh, well, the, obviously not the water heater blowing up, but other than that, that you're doing great. Um, that's never a fun experience. I can only imagine we have not had the opportunity to talk, obviously, since the Packers made some interesting offseason decisions. Uh, one, moving on from Joe Barry, uh, which we had sort of, you know, hypothesized would it happen, would it not happen? That eventually does, in fact, happen. And then, of course, they fight or they hire uh, Jeff Halfley as their new defensive coordinator. So, you know, I want to dig into deep today about the the changes to this scheme to potentially go into a 4-3 defense. And I want to dive into all of that pretty deep with you today. But just on a surface level, when you heard about Jeff Halfley becoming the defensive coordinator, I think all of a sudden all of us were scrambling of like, all right, who the heck is Jeff Halfley? What does he do? What were your big takeaways immediately from that from that hire? Yeah, so I knew a little bit about him from his year at Ohio State. I really didn't follow what he was doing at BC. Um, but, you know, he was on like the, um, what do you call it? Like the, uh, the the coaches broadcast thing for like the national championship and stuff sure. like that. The year that he was transitioning from Ohio State to BC. Um, you know, I knew he had, you know, the connections with Ryan Day dating back to, you know, that Chip Kelly era Niners team and stuff like that. I knew... He had worked with um, Bob Sala and, you know, uh, had worked with like D'Amico Ryans and stuff like that. Um, thought it was interesting that like once you pulled up the numbers and you look at some of the stuff, um, it's kind of the same kind of defense in terms of single high safety stuff, right? Like you could look at the percentage of single high that he played at the college level. Mind you, there's 130 college teams. And I think his four years at BC, they ranked first, first, first and fifth in single high. Um, you know, shells for the defense, not necessarily yep. coverages, but at least the shells, right? Um, so I think that's kind of what they're bringing. Um, I think Matt probably looked at the landscape of the league and said, you know, these quarter teams aren't really having that much success um, when that is your fastball and that is all that you do. And it hasn't really had a whole lot of success, you know, unless you have Jalen Ramsey and a bunch of pass rushers up front, right? Yeah. Um, you can even look at Miami down the stretch this past year, right, with Vic Fangio. And once they started losing pass rushers, right, that defense didn't look so good anymore. Um, this will, I think, lean more into, like, if we're thinking of, like, adjusting a dial and trying to figure out, like, what matters more, right? I think cornerback goes up. Right. Because those guys are going to be on islands a little bit more, at least on the outside. Right. Like they're going to have to take care of the sideline. They're not going to have, you know, safety help over the top of them, all that stuff um, like you would in, you know, a quarters type of system. I think it dials down the importance of linebacker, even though, you know, they're probably going to play three off ball guys at this point. But it also turns up the importance of pass rusher. Um, that is something that I cannot understate enough. Um, and there's kind of been a, 
little bit of misconception just based off of the conversations that I'm seeing happen on, you know, either social media or, you know, in the comment section for our site, APC, yep. um, where kind of uh, Packers fans think 4-3 defense and they think Reggie White, right? Which is, hey, he's pretty good at that, right? He's a pretty good 4-3 defensive end. Um, that is not that is not what they're looking for in a 4-3 pass rusher, at least from you know, who you should expect on a down-to-down basis. It's not guys who are 280-plus pounds, right? Um, if you look at what Houston did, which, again, D'Amico Ryan, um, he was a guy who uh, I think he was like an analyst or something like that or a QC, a quality control coach, which is kind of, you know, the first step in the league um, yeah. underneath Halfley um, in San Francisco. And they just drafted a 240-pound pass rusher, at third overall, and they traded up for the guy, right? That's Will Anderson. You look at the Niners. I mean, they pay no expense to go after pass rushers. They want to have four guys that they can, you know, have rip roaring ready to go. Everyone looks at Bosa. Bosa's not as big as you guys think. Um, he's 260 pounds, and he's the bigger one out of all of them. Right? Like Randy yep. Gregor is 240. Um, you know, they they got guys like that coming off the edge too. And then look at the Jets. Um, with Robert Sala, right? Who, you know, obviously there's a connection there. Halfley coached underneath him when he was the DC with the 49ers. They kind of run the same type of system. Um, I mean, they're another team that, you know, they're they're going after four pass rushers at a time. They drafted uh space on his name, Will something, the, the kid out of McDonald. Iowa State. McDonald. Yeah, Will McDonald. Um, and he was, you know, 240 pounds and change. So <laughs> what 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 I think people are missing is that. This 4-3 defense is going to put a lot of stress on those pass rushers, and you have to be able to get after the quarterback because every passing play, basically, it starts a timer, and it becomes a race between can you get to the quarterback faster than he could throw a crossing route because crossing routes are now going to be open. And I know Packers fans are like, well, crossing routes were open in quarters. Well, they shouldn't have been. Like, from a schematic standpoint, they shouldn't have been. That That's what should have been taken away, right? Like, that's why everyone is playing quarters. It's You can fit the run. You can stop crossing routes. You can stop a lot of this boot action stuff that, you know, some of the best teams in the NFL are running, right? Um, did it work from, a, you know, down to down um, detail standpoint? No, but in theory, that's what you're trying to do, right? And now this quarters type of defense, it, it's not really a situation where you can kind of let ju – just be okay at pass rusher. You have to be really, really good there. Um, and if that means, you know, hey, you're taking 240-pounders at the edge, that's what it ends up meaning. And, you know, you supplement it in, in certain ways, right? Like the, the box count. Sure, it's going to be lighter on the like actual line of scrimmage, right? Like guys with their hands in the dirt and stuff like that. But you're going to have three off-ball linebackers that are going to be able to play. You're going to be able to play more base defense because you know those guys are lighter on their feet um, than just playing you know nickel every every single down. Um, yep. And then you're going to have that drop-down safety who's going to be able to help. Um, who that safety is, I don't know because if you're looking at this roster right now, they are not ready to play a football game. Um, no. But that, that's kind of the way that they're going to supplement it, and that's kind of how the scheme comes together, if that makes any sense. You've never had any faith in Benny Sapp the third. That's been your classic downfall, is you just never have any faith. He's ready to go right now. Uh, no, they they obviously need some some major overhauling at a couple different positions, and they're going to have to sort of meld this new philosophy with their roster building this offseason. I want to jump into all of that.
Before we jump into so many of those things that you just discussed that I want to dig to even further, uh, dig into even further, I just want to ask you, I guess, when you dug into Halfley further, are you overwhelmed? Are you whelmed? Are you underwhelmed? Like, how are you feeling overall about the decision to go in this direction? Um, I think this is probably the right role for him, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, by all accounts, he's a really good coach in terms of uh, defensive backs. Um, even when he took the Boston College job, right, the first thing that he said was like, we want to make it a, pro a professional developmental program, right? They're, they kind of wanted to be like, kind of Iowa, if you want to put it in like Midwest terms, right? Where it's like, sure. hey, look, man, we're not going to win a cha national championship here, right? But what we can do is, you know, if we build this thing right, we're going to have a lot of kids who are going to go pro out of here. And, you know, maybe we can win 10 games. And that didn't end up happening for a multitude of reasons. Um, if you do kind of go through the timeline of Halfley, and I know he talked about this on a podcast, um, but, you know, he gets there, it's COVID era. Right. And then NIL comes and Boston yeah. College is not a place that Boston's a weird place. If you've ever been there in terms of like or just the Northeast in general, in terms of college football. Right. Um, there's lots of schools up there. So like. Not all of Boston is rallying around B.C. because so few of the graduates from that area actually went to B.C. Right. It's it's not like these big state schools where you get a lot of T-shirt fans and stuff like that. And, you know, right. Stuff like that. Plus, it's a private institution, which means um, there's certain academic standards there, too, that is going to be hard to get kids to transfer in with the transfer portal and all that stuff. So it felt like waves and waves and waves of just like this job wasn't the job that he ended up signing up for back in 2019. And the other issue, too, is I think Boston College either had three or four different athletic directors. Um, I think he did the math and he was like, you know. I want to be in NFL DC and that's probably what I'm going to be after this job. So why am I waiting? Right. And that life at the college level is not a good life right now either. Yeah. Um, I know some, some people in college media will kind of push back on that, but uh, there's a lot of dudes who are like my age, right. That like I kind of grew up with in terms of like how we think about football and stuff like that, that, are now in the NFL in their QCs, right? They're quality control coaches, which yep. is like, I don't know, like people say that they're like coffee runners and stuff like that. But they're the guys who are like drawing up um, plays for scout team and stuff like that. They're doing advanced work um, for future opponents and stuff like that. So when game day comes around and you're on the plane flying back on Sunday, you know, you're you're checking out like, okay, what what are the what did the Chiefs do for the past month so that I can hit the ground running? you know, for the week ahead of time to, to game plan and stuff like that. And I've kind of poked around at some of their heads about the whole college idea. And overwhelmingly, I'm like, would you guys leave like the NFL, you know, a QC position to be like an assistant, um, you know, a, a positional coach at the college level? And all of them are like, hell no. Right. Um, one of my buddies, like he joined a Madden league with me this past weekend. Cause in the off season, it's a nine to five yeah. college right now. Like, UCLA just came off of a 30-day transfer portal window. A new 30-day transfer portal window just opened up right now because Chip Kelly left. And then the spring transfer portal window is in like 10 days or something like that after this portal window closes. So we're talking about like four months that someone could just poach your players at any point. These guys are not living good lives right now. And, and they're not in an envious position. So... 
Um, if you want to go help in college football, there's probably never been a better opportunity than right now because a lot of people are looking to get out. So, no, it seems like this is going to become more and more popular. And kudos to you because I remember, you know, two three months ago when we were looking at potential defensive coordinator candidates, and you brought up Dave Aranda, who is yeah. obviously and is still. Well, he's another coach. guy that yeah, I mean, he yeah. everyone has said like he's a better fit at the NFL level than what is happening in college football right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and you mentioned at the time, like it's, 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 it's a sucky job in college and it had, you know, our defensive coordinator position in the NFL probably trumps most head coaching jobs in college football. Also, do you guys and, think like Jim Leonard couldn't get a DC job at the college level? He just took the DB's coach position with the Broncos. He, he, absolutely. Like, he, I, I would be willing to bet you, I, I would guarantee you, guarantee, guarantee you, he could have gotten a head coaching job at some level of college, like D1 college football. Yeah. Like he, he coached Wisconsin. I know it was on an interim basis, but like, you're telling me like central Michigan, I, mean, I don't know who had openings or whatever, but right. you're telling me one of those like type of schools was not interested in Jim Leonard as a head coaching candidate. If you wanted to go in that direction, he, in my opinion, he 1 million percent could have got some college football head coaching job. And yeah, like you said, he took a assistant DB or a DB and passing game coordinator position. And the other thing too, is you're even looking at college football, even at the top um splitting apart even within conferences so like ucla is in the big 10 they're yeah. gonna play ohio state at some point right chip kelly left as the head coach to be the oc at ohio state um you could look at alabama they took not one but two sitting fbs head coaches to be co-defensive coordinators on alabama's team uh they got the kid the the guy from south alabama and they got the head coach from uh buffalo too um, the guy from South Alabama tripled his salary by being a co co defensive coordinator with a first time head, uh, you know, the a brand new staff with the Crimson Tide. So a lot of these things are changing. And I think a lot of these coaches are doing the math and saying, like, do I really want to be a head coach that bad or do right. I want to win? And what's the quality of life look like? Because if you're a Chip Kelly at Ohio State, there's enough underlings under you at Ohio state to go do all the smoothing that you need to do and all that stuff. And you can just kind of stick the ball where you're functionally an NFL offensive coordinator at the college level. You don't have to do any of the recruiting stuff really and all that. Right. Um, Boston college is not one of those realities. Right. And I yeah. think Halfley saw the writing on the wall and said, this isn't working. I should just go to the league and you know, kudos to him. I don't I don't think that there's, you know, too many missed opportunities here. Like, I'm um, with you. I know the Zach Orr stuff and all that reporting and all that. Um, the only guy who actually got hired before uh, that the Packers interviewed before the Packers made that call was Babbage, right? The, the guy who got internally promoted Buffalo. to Buffalo. So who knows if he actually would have taken the job or not. So like. There's no indication that this was anything other than Matt LaFleur's first pick, right? So I wouldn't be worried about anything like that. I'm actually kind of happy that we went down this road in terms of the scheme because I think this is kind of what you want to run at the NFL level at this point. Um, you know, maybe you give up some more explosives, but on a down-to-down -down basis, I think you're going to be a little bit more consistent, especially, you know, if Jair's hanging out outside. I could not agree with you more. To me, if you would have told me that Zach Orr was the hire or 
I know there were some reports too that Ajiro Evero was one of their top choices. He just never got out of Carolina. I would have been excited about both of those hires, potentially no more or maybe less than Jeff Halfley. I, I've, I've said this. I don't really care if he was their first, second, or third choice. They got a really good defensive coordinator. And obviously the proof will only be what he puts on the field and how this, this defense plays. But I'm very excited about the potential scheme. I'm excited about what he's bringing to the table. I love that he has head coaching experience at the college level, co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State. He's called plays like he really, I mean, we talk about it in like draft all the time of like checking every box that you want to see. He literally checks like every box of what I, I literally made a list like a week before they hired somebody of like, here are like the 10 things that I want to see from the next defensive coordinator. And he literally just right down the list, checked off every one of them. So I, I don't really care one way or the other. I was, exci I was excited about the hire once I dug into it more. Yeah. And I think, um, there are some valid points about his resume that people make about not being able to extrapolate it out. It's like, obviously, yeah, I mean, you're going from the college level to the NFL. We've seen how that can change opinions, right, and, and stuff yep. like that and um, change kind of what you can do. Um, but people who look at the Ohio State stuff say, hey, you can't use that because, you know, he had five stars everywhere and all that. And then you guys have guys that look at the Boston College stuff and say, you know, he didn't have anyone at BC, right? And there's truth to that too. So I think really the way to think about it, it's he's the next guy off of that um, Robert Sala, D'Amico Ryan type of tree. And we're seeing a lot of success with that defense. As long as you can get some good pass rushers who can get after the quarterback. The other thing I want to mention um, before we move off this topic, um, the COVID year stuff and the transfer portal is also becoming increasingly problematic for these teams. Um, yep. You can look back at a guy like uh, KJ Costello, for example, right? KJ Costello is a guy who was the quarterback at Stanford. Uh, he got an extra year because of the COVID season, right? Um, he wants to come back to Stanford, but he already graduated. So what does that mean? He gets to go and enroll at a graduate program, right? That's not a problem. There's plenty of guys who just like enroll in sports management or, you know, ballet dancing, whatever the heck they have to do to stay eligible. Here's the problem. Stanford's not just going to let you go into the grad program because you're a quarterback, right? Like these schools aren't emphasizing football in the same way as some of these other programs. BC is one of those schools where they're like, we're not just going to keep you around forever just because, you know, you play on a football team that frankly, you know, the, area isn't even rallying around right? right so you know it's probably football is probably the fourth biggest sport in new england right you're talking you know baseball. basketball hockey baseball like yeah man um so yeah i mean there's a lot of reasons why this halfway thing uh ended up going down yeah and like i said i'm excited about it so let's dive in as much as we possibly can into this new scheme, you know, what personnel they need. I know we, you dove a little bit into it already, but I want to start with just from a personnel standpoint, not necessarily playing more cover one, playing more press or anything like that, more schematically but from a personnel standpoint. All right. We're, we've, we've heard the, it's going to be a four, three defense. One, does that matter? How much does it like, when you hear that, how much do you actually care? How much does that fundamentally change positionally gap responsibilities standing up on the outside, handing the dirt on the outside to you. What are you expecting when you hear potential four, three defense and this, you know, Jeff Halfley led, you know, personnel grouping. Okay. Um, let's go level by level, right? Okay. Uh, on the line of scrimmage, 
on the interior, I don't think it's going to change very much. I think the guys who are playing the interior are, for the most part, going to end up playing the interior in the 4-3 defense. Um, what that means for Kenny Clark is probably him moving back to nose tackle. Um, just You probably want Wyatt and Clark as your two guys there, um, just because they can kind of play every down. And uh, maybe, maybe Brooks ends up being a guy who ends up pushing Wyatt out of the lineup or something like that. But Slayton isn't a guy that I think you want being an every down nose tackle um, in the NFL right now. I just don't think he can get after the passer uh, enough, which doesn't mean that, you know, he has to be out of the lineup or anything. It's just, you got to kind of be careful and, and pick your spots on where you want to play, when you want to play him on to the me, edges. Feels, oh, God. Just really quick on the interior. It feels to me like this perfect, like Kenny plays, I don't know, 80% of the snaps at nose and Slayton gets the other 20. And then you probably have almost like a 50, 50 split of like Brooks and Wyatt at the, you know, the three technique. And it almost feels like that inherently is like a really solid rotational, you know, group on the inside where you've got, you know, again, Wyatt and Brooks who can pressure inside Clark's going to eat the majority of the snaps. who can also pressure at the nose tackle position. Slayton factors in a little bit as a backup to Kenny. And then you rotate in Colby Wooden as needed. Yeah, no, and I agree. Um, again, I think that there's probably a certain line of Packers fans that are thinking right now, like Wooden and Brooks maybe uh, could potentially play end. Again, I I don't see it. I don't see it the way that this coaching tree has worked at the NFL level. Um, on the ends, I think it's going to help Lucas Van Ness. Lucas Van Ness is a guy who I always thought was better with his hand in the dirt, You know, even going back to Iowa. He always looked very awkward when he was asked to rush in a two-point stance. Um, so maybe, you know, he's able to hit the ground running next season or something. The only other guy I'm really kind of interested in is like, we heard how much they like Preston because of his versatility, but we are no longer in a system where versatility is really something that is, uh, you know, sought out for, right. Where hey, we just kind of want you to get after the passer. So what does that mean for Preston? Cause what he was able to do is you know, a 270 pound or whatever his actual playing weight it was, you know, this past season can drop back into coverage. Like that's actually pretty impressive for its size, you know, for all the jokes about him lining up in the slot against, you know, good receivers and stuff like that. People calling him a cornerback. Um, but if he's not asked to do that anymore, is he worth the cap hit? Like that's something that probably isn't being talked about enough. I, I don't think it's a sure thing by any means, but like, I think it's a conversation you have at least. Is there anyone that you see like that changes their body type because of this? Like could Preston drop, you know, eight pounds and become lighter and a better, you know, theoretically a better, quicker pass rusher. Is, is there anyone that you could see potentially changing their body type because of this? Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if any of the, the ends slimmed down a little bit just to get a little quicker. Um, Cause yep. again, I mean, that's what they're going to want out of these guys. Um Linebacker level, you're going to play a lot more of those guys. Again, we talked about a little bit, um, you know, if you're using four guys on the line, three linebackers, and a drop-down safety, um, you could stay in base personnel a little bit more than what the Packers did, you know, against 11 or, or whatever it may be. You know, most teams are playing 11, especially in the NFC North right now. Um, so, you know, those guys are going to play a little bit more. I think Quay is probably going to play Mike. Um, I'm assuming Devondre's gone just because yep. of the cap hit and his recent play. Um, I think so, know, too. Maybe egg on my face. But, like, this isn't like a 4-3 under scheme. Like, we're not talking about, like, the 
Legion of Boom Seattle Seahawks where like KJ Wright has walked down the line scourge and he's basically a defensive end, right? Like that's not what we're looking at. I, I think both the outside linebackers are kind of going to be interchangeable. Um, I think those guys are going to be a little bit lighter than the Mike. Um, at this point, McDuffie is one of those guys. Who number three is? I don't know. Could be a draft guy. Could be a free agent. Like there's not many internal options for the Packers to be that third starter right now. Isn't it just Christian Welch left at that point? Other than is obviously Campbell converted to safety. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. All right. So we we kind of now have gone through from like a, a personnel standpoint how this could look. Uh, I guess maybe one thing I want to follow up on how like how much from a 4-3 standpoint do you expect them you, you said they could maybe stay in base a little bit more are we still talking 20% here 15% like how much is this actually going to matter and how much are they still going to be in nickel and just kind of playing a very similar you know nickel defense not again schematically but personnel wise as to what they did previously under Joe Barry yeah I think it'll be like 50-50 which is pretty different from what the Packers did before. I mean, the Packers, the other thing that does get talked about is like, we talk about nickel and, and base. They played a lot of penny, which was, yep. you know, you have all the guys on the line of scrimmage from the three, four defense. And then you have the single inside linebacker, which really put a huge stress on that guy. Right. And now we're going from one inside linebacker to possibly three against the same type of formations. Right. So I think it'll be closer to 50, 50. That's not to say that, you know, nickel will be a devalued, position that guy's still going to play a whole lot of football um the other thing i want to mention uh before we stop talking about personnel i think safety is where we're going to see the biggest change in terms of like what they're looking at sure Um, because i think this defense now presents a situation where you look at guys for specified roles right where hey if you you know you want a single high safety well you could choose who that single high guy is and you could choose what guy you want to drop down in the box and you could look at – I keep using the Niners as, as an example because it's a really good one, but um, Hufunga, the kid that they got out of USC who was a fifth-round pick, I mean, he's a drop-down guy. I think he made a Pro Bowl or was named like second-team All-Pro or yep. something like that. Not this past year because he was hurt, but the year before. Um, and he was a guy that they found in like the fifth round, and it was just because, you know, hey, he ran a 4-6, so he doesn't fit everyone, and everyone's running all this quarter stuff, and he doesn't really fit that scheme. But if we're not asking him to cover deep, really, you know, we could play him in the box, and he can really help us and just kind of cover short zones and, you know, come down and stop the run. And I think that's that provides the Packers an opportunity where, hey, you know, a lot of people in the league are either running – the quarters defense, right? That, you know, the Fangio tree stuff or they're running the blitz bluff stuff where, you know, you have to play a whole lot of man, right? Like the, uh, anyone off of that Rex Ryan tree, right? Like Baltimore, all the stuff that those guys are running where it's like, Hey, those guys at some point are going to be in, you know, man coverage and they're not going to have a whole lot of help over top of them. Um, so, you know, their safety has got to be able to move. Well, maybe the Packers are in a situation where they're one of eight ish teams that are like in the running for one of these safeties and Hey, maybe they can find value and pluck one up. I know all of us on draft day last year, draft days, I should say, because it was multiple days of us waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting for them to finally find value at safety. And they didn't find one until Anthony Johnson jr. So maybe with these more specified roles, um, there's better fits at, you know, actual draft picks that they'll be able to turn in. 
I think they're going to have to, and that specialization of skills at that position, I think is going to change what they need at both of those positions. And I think it's going to be beneficial for them. Like you said, maybe even being able to find a few diamonds in the rough and especially maybe a guy that can play in the box a little bit more. All right, so that kind of covers things personnel wise. Tactically, you've touched based on a little bit already more, you know, probably man coverage on the outside, more single high safety looks. What are you expecting schematically to be different about this defense? Going to be tighter on the edges um, in terms of, you know, cornerbacks coming up and pressing up. Um, by all means, it seems like Halfley, uh, the, the quotes from Richard Sherman were really interesting where he was like, we knew the plays that they were running. Like he really prepares us for them, you know, during the practice week. Um, so, you know, no surprises there will be nice. Um, you know, once you start breaking down wide receivers to a spot where it's like, okay, at 15 yards, you know, he can only run, you know, two routes because that's all they run at, at that depth. Right. So you start to see him slow down at 15, you know, you're getting one of two things and now you can jump a ball. Right. Yeah. Um, having a guy with a defensive back's, uh, background is going to be really important for that type of stuff. And, you know, obviously that's a little bit of a change from Joe Barry who has uh, what defensive line and linebackers background. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a lot of single high. We already touched on that. Um, it's going to be a lot of cover one, cover three. I think when guys go in motion now, you're going to see cornerbacks travel with them. Um, because if you're not actually in cover one, which is, you know, your man coverage with a, post safety in the middle of the field right um if you're not in that you still want to present that and that's something that he showed both at ohio state and boston college when i went back and watched games so for all the stuff about like you know maybe jair doesn't play in the slot and stuff like that well what if the guy on the outside is on jair and then he motions to the slot jair is going to end up falling like that's kind of how this defense works out so that's what you're going to see differently just like visibly pre-snap um, from this defense. Yeah, I love that aspect as well. And I'm excited to see hopefully Jair shadow more of the Amon Ross St. Browns, the Justin Jeffersons, the DJ Moores, just in division. Like those are literally like six games right there of some of the top wide receivers in the league. And I would love to see a little bit more of that and just motioning with, um, as you look at some of the biggest needs, we, we talked about safety already, but what are now that they're transitioning to this, this system, not just maybe system-based, but as you look at this defense right now, and then again, combining it with a new system, what are the biggest needs on defense in your mind right now? Safety is number one. And then linebackers too. Um, the only reason linebackers too, is because you need two safeties at this point, if you're looking yeah. at the Packers depth chart. So yeah, I mean, those are the big ones. And then, um, you probably need depth at the edge and corner positions, but I don't think that you need to spend a high, high pick on those. Uh, we'll see what, I mean, it will never surprise me if the Packers turn in a high pick for super athletic, you know, guy who plays on the line of scrimmage. So like if we draft yeah. another pass rusher, you know, if we do move off of like a Preston Smith or something like that, just don't have your jaw hit the floor, right? We drafted Rashawn Gary after we gave Preston and uh, Zedarius, you know, those contracts. So something to look out for. I, I do want to touch one other thing too. Yeah. So the Raiders game last year, right, was a situation where Joe Barry said, you know, we don't want to make all these checks and stuff like that. And, you know, even if the Raiders are in heavy personnel, so you come out in your base defense, but then they're in empty 
which is the formation. And they're stretching you all across the field with five guys wide, even though those guys include, you know, either two tight ends or a, line, uh, a fullback and a tight end. I can't remember which one it was. And it puts Devontae Adams on the slot with Preston Smith. Joe Barry was like, I do not want to, you know, we, we, we don't want to have to check out of everything. Well, this is where getting a guy out of the college level helps a lot. Because I don't know if you've gone to a game live recently. Everything is going fast tempo. Everything is no huddle. I mean, all you're doing basically is checking, right? Yeah. Like there, there's been guys who um, move from the college level, go to the professional level, and are guys in the booth. And they're like, things are happening so fast that I can't relay it back down. Because, you know, these college guys are, are basically lining up in their formation and then getting the call. So you know what kind of you have to defend from like an angles and numbers standpoint, right? Um, so I would assume Halfley, especially with the defensive backs background, um, you know, you're not moving the front a whole lot, especially at the college level when you're making those calls and things. Like a lot of these defenses now have like a divorced front call and a divorced coverage call at this point. Um, I think that's somewhere where Halfley will be able to help the team a lot where it's, hey, they're showing something funky, like it's, you know, hey, check, 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 and everyone's, you know, tapping their helmet or whatever it is to, to get into the right call. It feels like a beyond necessary change and something that at the professional level you have to have better answers for so that yeah. you don't end up with Preston Smith on Devontae Adams on far too Which, many occasions. I still don't know if Barry was lying or not because they do have empty checks. So I don't know why they didn't use one in that situation. Um, like high school kids have have empty checks. Like you, you just have to. It's something that you're going to have to cover. Um, so I don't know if, again, I don't know if he was covering his ass. So like, I don't want to make, uh, you know, covering Preston's ass. Sorry. He didn't want to throw his player under the bus and stuff like that. Um, so I don't want to make too big of a deal out of it, but like, if that was a problem, that should be something that like happily had to play against Clemson and Florida state and all these other programs. And he had to do it with lesser players. Right. Um, so it, it shouldn't be an issue for him to get his defense, you know, changing up the look on on the snap of you know a finger I'm trying to look back that who played inside linebacker so that was so quite played a ton in that game mcduffie wilson there's no campbell in that game so like i don't know maybe campbell was responsible for making those checks and they didn't feel comfortable with quay or I yeah, yeah that was that was something that came up too yeah because on that play that play specifically the Devonte one um I think it's Eric Wilson is rushing the passer, so it's Quay just in the middle of the field. And then, uh, you know, they're an empty, and they're too high. So, you know, you do the math, and you're like, oh, we're a hat on a hat. And now Devontae Adams has a two-way go on Preston Smith. That stinks. <laughs> and they call it, they called Lookie, which is an option route. So not only do you have a two-way go, they're calling the play for the two-way go look. So, yeah. Um, Got to get out of that one. That so just, hopefully... Uh, Hopefully that's the one that, you know, hey, Halfley's repping that one in practice and is like, hey, what do we do in this situation? We get the hell out of the call, right? Okay, good. I'm hoping Halfley's going through the defensive tape right now and is getting to some of this stuff and is just shaking his head and being like, what the heck? Like, how are we not checking out of this stuff and already putting up things in his mind of what they can do in those specific situations? Uh, we talked about this a little bit already. I know we've kind of hit some of these things in snippets, but I still want to ask you directly, which players do you think benefit most from this change and which players are you maybe a little bit concerned about making the change to this defense? Yeah, the big one, again, uh, LVN, I think it probably helps Jair too 
just because it, you know, I don't think it makes him a better player, but I think it like better showcases his ability. If that makes any sense. Um, the linebackers, I think it helps just by the nature of the defense. That's one where, you know, Hey, you, you went from certain looks where you have one off ball linebacker to now you're going to have three and it's against the same formations and same personnel. Right. Um, that's going to help a whole lot, especially for a young linebacker like Quay. So his head isn't spinning because I know, I know everyone wants to be hard on Quay, but like the way they play defense made it so hard for those linebackers that if yeah. they were a second late, right. Um, the DJ Moore crosser that went for like 40 yards, the shout, the shallow crosser, right. The little drag yeah. that went for 40 yards against the bears in that second game. That's just Quay being a second late, right? Like, now that they don't have to have all of that on their plate, you know, it'll, it'll help them a lot. Um, as far as who it hurts, I don't really think it hurts that many people. I mean, Preston is the one that I would like to know what the conversations are. Um, just because, again, right, we've, we've talked about how, you know, you can look at Houston, you can look at San Francisco, you can look at the Jets. You don't have to take my word for it. L- look at their actions. They've all spent very high draft picks, a lot of money on making sure like our pass rushers are good. And I don't know if Preston is like a pure pass rusher and what do you do at that point? And Preston is a guy that by all means seems to be a great locker room guy to have around. So I don't know if they pulled the trigger because of that, especially, you know, knowing how young of a team that they have. Um, But money's money. And at some point people make money decisions. So, you know, whether it's him turning down some cash and, and taking some, a little less money to stay around green Bay or the team trading him or releasing him, whatever it may be. I, I think it's a conversation worth at least having, and I don't see the conversation happening, happening a lot. Like the conversations about the cap right now that I'm seeing are like, you know, Bakhtiari one is, is the obvious one. Um, people talk about the free agents who are leaving, you know, maybe AJ Dillon will come back. Um, Aaron Jones, what's going to happen with his contract, but I don't really see a lot of conversation happening about, um, you know, Preston. It, it feels like, again, the Bakhtiari one's the big one. And then Devondre, as you mentioned, seems like more of the yeah. obvious one that they'll go in a different direction. And then just, it, to me, it feels like everyone else will stay in some capacity. I do think you bring up a great point, Preston. I do wonder if at all, and it probably doesn't, but I wonder if the Inigbari injury factors into that at all, or yeah. if you have a healthy Inigbari, LVN and Rashawn Gary, um, and 11 draft picks, you feel like, and, and Brenton Cox as well, like you're like, oh, okay, you know, we can probably go into this season knowing that we're probably going to attack the draft with some edge rusher, maybe a Carl. They also, they also have like 10 guys on the practice squad that they signed yep. outside linebacker or yep. well, now will be defensive end. Um, so it seemed like their plan coming into the offseason was it like, I don't know, Royal Rumble? Like, <laughs> like 10 guys go in, one guy leaves. You're our fourth pass rusher. Congrats. Just Joker breaking the stick or the pool cue yeah. and saying, here you go. You know, who wants it That's most? a lot of sticks though. That's a lot of sticks. Like the whole rack. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to have, there's going to be some added expenses in the off season for pool cues, but uh, hopefully they get the answer right in the end. Um, you talked again a little bit about this as well, but I want to ask you this directly as well. Playing this style of defense, we know that there's no perfect defense in any capacity. There's going to be strengths yeah. to every defense. There's going to be weaknesses to every defense. What do you see as the biggest strengths of playing this style of defense? And what are the big things that you're going to have to be like, all right, this is going to be something to worry about a little bit? Yeah, so we're 
going from a defense that invited the run to a defense that invites the pass, but also plays tight on the outside, right? Um, so what that means is, you know, hey, we're going to be able to stop the run better because we're going to have a lot of eight-man boxes, period, right? Like, yeah. if you're going to have that drop-down safety, there's going to be a post-safety. That's what Halfley's done his whole career. That's everything in his resume says that he's going to do that, right? So they should be able to stop the run better. They should have a safety who's not in the run fit at all. Their cornerbacks will probably not be in the run fit unless the wide receivers are real tight to the line of scrimmage, right? So those guys are going to need to really fit in in the run game. Um, where it could hurt, again, is crossers. That's a big one. And those are chunk plays. And it's kind of, you know, feast or famine there if you're going to be able to hit it. And, you know, a lot of that, again, is going to come down to the pass rush. So I know it seems like I'm talking in circles, but, like, that's – that's kind of how this thing is built, right? It's, hey, we're taking away the easy passes. We're going to try to take away the run game. And if you want to try to complete a crosser over the middle, which is where we're, you know, down a guy compared to the defense that we last played in, right? Um, you got to get there before our pass rushers get to your quarterback, right? So that's really what these this thing is going to come down to. When you say crosser, are we talking shallow, intermediate, deep crosser? Like what type of crosser behind, are you? Behind the linebackers under the safeties. Yeah. Got it. So more the intermediate ones. Um, yeah. Is this also something then that the single high safety is going to have to have a little bit more, not not necessarily responsibility, but you're going to need them to take the right angle, make the right tackle, and make sure that if they do hit one of those crossers, it's 15 yards rather than 55 or more. Yeah, I mean it's a real deal safety now, right? Yeah, where it's you're the safety. If someone gets past you, it's done. There's no there's no other help. There's not a second guy taking a pursuit angle helping you like the corners on the opposite side of the field the crosser just ran away from him so yeah it's it's you versus him to the end zone so again it's a it's a little bit more feast and famine um they're gonna look for a rangier guy in the middle of the field right um but yeah i mean the difference again i think the biggest thing is you know you're inviting the pass instead of inviting the run and the the pass that you're inviting is the one over the middle right and they got to get there before you get to the quarterback. I like the challenge. I'm excited for it. So let me end with this from a defensive schematic standpoint and change in this overall change standpoint. How optimistic are you that this defense will be better in 2020? And I know it's an impossible question just based on personnel. We don't know what the, the defense is going to look like right now, but how We're optimistic missing three are you starters. That, yes, right now. How optimistic as we sit here right now with no safeties and, uh, only three basically corners on the roster. How, how confident are you this defense is going to be better? Um, the numbers weren't that bad, right? I, I assume that they're going to be better. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if, honestly, I, I just, yeah, I, I think they're going to be better as long as they can solve the guys in the middle of the field, right? Which is, a big question considering, you know, this defense. We just talked about that. Where's the weakness? It's the passing game in the middle of the field. What are the Packers missing? Well, they need another off-ball linebacker. They need a drop-down safety, and they need a post-safety. Well, those are the guys who are covering over in the middle of the field, right? But I yeah. think I think Quay's going to be in a better spot. I think the pass rushing unit um, is going to be in a better spot. Uh, you know, the run game, I think, is going to solve itself just by alignment, right? Um corners are going to be put in a position where you know th their talent is 
probably better adapted to. Like I, I like Carrington Valentine, I think, more than most Packers fans, uh, based off of responses that I've gotten on Twitter talking about how corner probably isn't a need, but that's for another day, I guess. Oh, it's um, not. We're gonna talk about that next. <laughs> but yeah, I I would I would bet that they're gonna be better, even though it's year one of a system, you know, there's gonna be some growing pains, but I bet by the second half of the season, um, they're pretty they're pretty good defense as long as they can hit on those three spots. So that that leads us into our final conversation for the day. You and I usually don't disagree on too many things, Justice Mosqueda, but this is one where I think we disagree a little bit, and that is the potential need for corner on the roster. So I know it, it seems like I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like you are less on the the you know you don't you don't think that the Packers have a, a major need at corner. Um, I am very much of the opposite mind. So just to kind of bring everyone up to speed on where the Packers are at from a corner standpoint, Keyshawn Nixon, Corey Ballantyne, both unrestricted free agents. Robert Rochelle is restricted, but they're certainly not going to put a tender on him. So he is. That will cost $2 million. They will not be doing that. Not do that. That's going to be an unrestricted free agent by all intents and purposes. Uh, you have Jair Alexander. You've got Carrington Valentine. You've got Eric Stokes, Anthony Johnson, not Anthony Johnson Jr. Anthony Johnson, the corner. And everyone's favorite, Zion Gilbert, as well. Those are your five corners currently on the roster. Um, we can make the argument one way or the other as to whether or not they actually have a true slot corner on the roster. I would argue no. I know, as you mentioned, they're going to move guys around a little bit. But to me, that is a more significant need. And maybe more importantly, everyone complains about Christian Watson. Um, like, dude, he doesn't play enough. He's played 25 out of 37 games these past two, se uh, two seasons. That's 67.6% of the time. Jair Alexander over the past three seasons has played 30 out of 54 games, which is 55.6% of the games. Eric Stokes in the last three seasons has played 29 of 54, 53.7, but only 12 of the last two seasons, which is 33.3%, and only three of the last 27 games. And only one, and one of those three was one where he played just special teams and injured himself immediately on special teams. So he's played 11.1% of the last 27 games for the Packers on defense. So those are your corners that are on the roster right now. I can understand a world where Jair and Valentin uh, on the outside you feel good about, and Eric Stokes is like sort of this wild card. But to me, the injury issues and the, the lack of play, um, you know, the fact that Valentine had one solid but unspectacular year as a you know seventh round rookie, I can't trust Eric Stokes with anything, and you don't have a slot or depth. To me, corner is a, a significant need. So, on the Stokes injury front, I think I'm less worried about his injuries than Watson's because they're non-correlated. They're not the same injury over and over again, right? Which is when you start having the concerns, in my opinion, I mean, right. I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I'm a bozo. I got a comm degree from a giant public school that wasn't very hard to get into. So you don't have to listen to me about anything. Um, but I, I, I would say that's probably why I'm a little bit more optimistic about Stokes than some people. The other thing I will say is like Keyshawn got a contract off of just being a kick returner. And he just made all pro kick returner again. Yeah. Don't we think he's coming back? That's kind of the, what I think. And then once you're there, we're talking about Keyshawn Stokes, um, Alexander and Valentine fitting two and a half spots in the starting job. Right. Like that's 
four mouths for for two and a half spots. Why is this? Why are people mock drafting corners to us? What what the heck is happening? So that's just my perspective. I mean, I get it. I just kind of see it a little differently, I guess. Yeah, to me, I would like Keyshawn more in like a little bit more of a backup role and more focused on special teams and um, not have him necessarily fit in as a major component in the slot. Uh, I also, I, I will, I would also like them to almost treat Eric Stokes as like, uh, Hey, we're not going to trust anything, but if we get anything awesome in, in more of like a lottery ticket than like a, Hey, we feel like he's going to have a major role in this team. Again, I'm fine with Alexander and, and Valentine more on the outside. And I agree with you. I think Valentine's going to be a good player. So I don't have any major issue with those as your two starters. I would just, I guess depth, um, competition and just, you know, a little bit more of, something in case things go wrong with an Alexander again, with a Stokes again, to give you a little bit more of that, you know, feel like you can still play some, you know, single high man-to-man press corner on the outside. If either of those guys go down, especially a Jair, who again has missed a pretty significant amount of time over the last 54 games. I almost wonder if that's something that you do in the trade market though. Right. Could be. Or it's like, if there's an injury, like, okay, now, now we actually have to make a move. Right. Like we, we know now that we have to make a move. And, you know, if you're playing man, like it's not that hard to teach a guy, hey, play man coverage. This is what our man coverage call is. Right. Like he'll be ready in a week. So that that's something I think is worth thinking about, too. They, they will have to add a corner at some point. My whole point about the, the need was at the top of the draft. Right. That's like cool. spending a first round pick or something like that. Because, yeah, I mean, even if they do bring Keyshawn back they're still going to need another corner. Like they just don't have very many bodies in the secondary yeah. at all. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted a guy like in the mid rounds and then didn't even play him this year, because I think this is another point is um, the transition to the defense, right? The way that it worked out, you could be light on the the guys at the box because you're only, you know, you're keeping two inside linebackers um, that opened up some of those spaces for those, you know, special teams only safeties, quote unquote safeties that never play defense, but uh, just they're, you know, players for Rich Passaccia, basically, right? Maybe some of those roster spots end up dissolving because you need to use, you know, more of those spots on linebackers and stuff like that. Um, especially sure. with the Packers situation right now, where they're probably going to want not only linebackers, but competition at the linebacker position where, you know, hey, the guys that you have playing in week one might be the, not be the guys that you want starting in week 18. So, you know, maybe you end up drafting a guy who, you know, you think, okay, he's depth, but he's going to contribute to special teams. And we don't have to think about this fifth cornerback roster spot anymore. And we could just lock it in right now, like send the third or fourth round pick in for him or something like that. Like I could totally see the team doing something like that. But in the first round, I'm just, I was kind of confused because I, 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 I so I tweeted that out because I was doing one of the mock draft roundups uh, for APC. And sure. I was like, they're just everyone is giving us corners. And I was like, I can't believe I mean, there's really no linebacker or like safety or running back or something like that for the team to take in the first round. So, you know, I wasn't complaining about that, but I was just like, corner, really? That's interesting. Why the heck does anyone think corner is a need for this team? It's an interesting draft based on positional needs for Green Bay as to what they could select because it's bad at the top of the draft for the things that they need outside of uh offensive line which is phenomenal 
Yeah. Yeah. And even offensive line, I know some people are like, well, if you're going to draft one you know, early, you usually want to tackle. And at tackle, you feel probably fairly decent about Rashid Walker and Zach Tom as your starting tackles if you want them. I, I believe line, they're just going to make them compete. We all, every yep. single guy is going to snap at some point during during yep. the summer. Like, I'm I said not the same worried thing. about position that much. I said the exact line. same thing. Yeah. No, that's, why, line, that's why I think, like, if, if their line of thinking is similar to mine, where, hey, you know, I would argue three of their biggest needs, at least if not their top three needs, safety, uh, inside line or off ball linebacker. Sorry, I'm still transitioning to four three talk. Um, and then running back. There's there's not a pick there in the first round. No. Do we look at offensive line or if we don't like offensive line, where do we go? And that's where I'm like, wild card, pass rusher. Right. I would not like, shock me at all. Would not shock yeah. me at all. You know, else also wouldn't shock me, corner. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I ho I hope I don't have to eat crow on draft day, but I would I will actually almost go as far as to say if it's not I mean this is like a broad range of like things, but like if it's not offensive line corner or pass rusher, I'd be pretty shocked if it's not one of those three. Yeah, because it's not gonna be a receiver and at the top of the draft it's it's all receiver offensive line corner. I mean, those are yeah. the best positions in the draft right now. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting. Um I was going to ask you one more thing and I totally forgot, but that's okay. I think we covered a vast variety of topics and uh, I can't thank you enough. This is a really great breakdown of what um, four, three defense is, you know, potentially going to look like what, you know, op you know, options there are to change. Who's going to benefit, who is not going to benefit. Are there any other things that we did not discuss, whether it be corner safety, you know, whatever this defense is doing, anything else that we didn't touch on that you want to go over that uh, would be, you know, advantageous for our listeners to know. I don't think so. We did 50 minutes. Pretty good. This is another one of those where I had like five more bullets of things that we could like if we needed to fill time. And I don't even know why I do those anymore because you and I can basically take one topic and probably That's talk about it for an hour. And no, no, not at all. This is absolutely amazing. Uh, Justice, you are incredible. Where can we find all of your awesome work? You can find me on Twitter slash X slash whatever the heck we call it anymore at J-U-M-O-S-Q. And you can read all my stuff at acmepackingcompany.com. Um, subscribe to our podcast feed. You can find it anywhere you get podcasts, Acme Packing Company. Make sure to check out all of his awesome work. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL. You can find the Pack-A-Day podcast on YouTube and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That is going to do it for us today. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.